We're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning in Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to start with the 11th verse. I'm sure this is something that you've all uh, probably read many times, or you maybe even know it by heart. But man, you're talking about some truth that all of us this morning needs to get a hold of. That's what we find here in Joshua chapter number 11. Let's start reading there in verse number, excuse me, Joshua 24, verse number 11. Listen to what it says. And ye went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites uh, and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not only with thy, snow, not with thy sword nor with thy bow. So really what God is saying, this is not something you have done. This is something I've done. This is not something you have accomplished. This is something I have accomplished. And look at the next part of this. He says in verse 13, I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not. And ye dwell in them of the vineyards and the olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. Then verse 14, listen to this, very important. Now therefore fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Watch what he says now. And serve ye the Lord. Verse 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Watch what he says in verse 15. But as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're thankful, Lord, for the truth of your word. I'm thankful this morning that we have the opportunity and the privilege of serving you. And Lord, I'm praying today that by your power, Holy Spirit, you make real your truth to your people. Lord, what we need above everything else is a fresh anointing today, a fresh touch from heaven. And God, we're asking that you speak to hearts and you change lives and you do the work that only you are capable of doing. Lord, I'm praying that you set a flame in the heart of your people that cannot be extinguished. Lord, we're praying today that you begin to convict hearts, comfort hearts, change hearts, change lives, do your work. And Father, for these things, we're going to praise you. Lord, we're asking you that this morning you teach us from your word what it means to be serious about our service. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now this morning, I want you to see that uh, Joshua is speaking to the nation of Israel as an old man. He's run his race. He's kept the faith. He's done the work that God has called him to do, and he's about to be uh, going up to heaven. He's about to die. And at the really the last thing that he says to the nation of Israel, to the people of Israel, is what we find there in Joshua chapter number 24. He gives them some final advice that man speaks volumes that we all need to heed this morning. Now let me tell you what we don't need to do. We don't need to fall into the trap of seeing Bible stories as uh, stories of days gone by, of ancient stories that really don't mean anything to us today. How many of you understand the Bible teaches in the New Testament that the Bible stories of the Old Testament are there for our example? Listen, it says that we can look back into the Old Testament and it exemplifies exactly what's going on in our lives today. 
Now, let me catch you up on what's happened for the nation of Israel and for Joshua up to this point where we find them here in Joshua chapter number 14. When Joshua is speaking to them, he's in the land of Canaan. But how many of you know they hadn't always been there? As a matter of fact, this people started in the land of Egypt, and they started in Egypt in the bondage of slavery. If you remember, the Bible says that the people of Israel called out unto the Lord that the Lord would deliver them because of their taskmasters. And so, how many of you know, God heard the cries of His people. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you believe today that God still hears the cries of His people? That God still hears and God by His power, He still answers. And so God heard the cries of His people, the Bible says, and then God sent a deliverer in the man Moses, and by the power of God, by the hand of God, He used Moses to lead His children out from under the bondage they were in under the Egyptians. Now the Bible says in Exodus chapter number 12 that the nation of Israel came out of the bondage that they were in by the blood of the Lamb. If you believe it, say amen. Now if all of that is an example for us today, what does all that mean? Well, listen to me, folks. How many of you understand, if you are here today as a child of God, you've been born again into God's family, you've received eternal life, you are walking in Canaan land. Can you say amen? But how many of you understand, we hadn't always been there. <laughs> there was a time when I was in bondage. And there was a time when you were in bondage. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, they who serve sin becomes the bond slave of sin. Can you say amen? And so I used to be bound up and bound down in my sin in this world. I had no hope. I was condemned to a devil's hell. Listen, without what Christ has done for me, the only hope I had was him. But the Bible says, for those who've placed their faith in Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, they are washed clean, whiter than snow. How? By the blood of the Lamb. See, when you place your faith in Christ, the blood of Christ is applied to your heart and life by faith. And so just like in Egypt, those people were in bondage and they came out of the bondage they were in by the blood of the Lamb. The child of God today who's placed their faith in Christ, the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life. You were in bondage to sin once, but praise God, now you've been set free. <laughs> and the scripture says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So what does Canaan land exemplify? If Egypt exemplifies the bondage of sin that we were all in, and the lamb in Exodus 12 is an example of the Lord Jesus and the blood that was shed for us, what does Canaan land exemplify? What does that mean for me and you? Well, that stands for the abundant life that we are promised in Christ. That stands for the purchased abundant life that was purchased for you when Jesus paid your sin debt at the cross. How many of you know abundant life has been purchased by Jesus and promised by Jesus to all who receive him by grace through faith? Now let me give you the problem. The problem is a lot of us are not walking in the abundant life that's been purchased for us. A lot of us are forfeiting the blessing of the abundant life as children of God because we simply are not doing what God has told us to do. Amen. 
See, the abundant life is a life of peace. The abundant life is a life of joy. The abundant life is a life of purpose. The abundant life is a life of fulfillment. The abundant life is contentment. Can you say amen? A lot of us forfeit that simply because we're not adhering to the Word of God and applying it unto our life. And so Joshua speaks to the nation of Israel here about what it's going to take to continually walk in the abundant life, to continually stay in Canaan land. Amen? Now, we need to take note of that if we want to stay in Canaan land, in the abundant life that's been purchased for us, walking in peace, walking in the joy of the Lord, walking in purpose. He says something, really four things that I want us to see this morning. Number one, he talks to us about reverence toward the holy, righteous, sovereign God of the universe. He says it in uh, Joshua chapter number 24 down in verse number 14. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord. Now folks, step number one, if you're going to walk in the abundant life that God has purchased for you, let me tell you what you've got to do, child of God. You've got to continually reverence the Lord. The Bible says to fear Him. Now when the Bible's talking about fear here, He's not talking about fear in the sense that sometimes uh, we, we normally think about it. He's talking about when we fear God, we are to respect Him. We are to reverence Him. Can you say amen? Now, why does God deserve our respect? Well, I can think of a bunch of reasons, but let me give you two main ones. First of all, because of who He is. Do you realize the God we serve, the God of the Bible, the God that we are here to worship this morning is the God of all creation? Do you realize He spoke and the stars came into existence? Do you realize it's by His spoken word the whole universe exists? Do you realize the Bible says the heavens are His throne and the earth is His footstool? Do you realize it also tells us that He is our loving Heavenly Father, that not only He is the great sovereign God of the universe, but He is the good God who is our Heavenly Father who has given us grace by the person of Jesus Christ. He's great. He's good. He's sovereign. That's who He is. And for that, we ought to reverence Him. We ought to respect Him. Now, how many of you know, I believe the first step in the child of God walking away from their faith, in the child of God giving up on serving Jesus, is when they lose that sense of awe concerning who God is. When you lose that reverence and you lose that respect, it becomes much easier for you to turn your back on God and do your own thing. And so Joshua says to this people, and folks, I'm saying to you this morning, the first thing we've got to do if we're going to continually walk in Canaan land and enjoy the abundant life that's been promised for us, we've got to remember to give God reverence and respect. And there's some benefits to that, some great benefits that we see outlined for us in scriptures. If you believe God's word to be true, say amen. Well, the, God's word says in Psalms 25 and verse number 14 that God reveals his truth to those that fear him. How many of you want the revelation of God? See, folks, I'm all about getting information. I want to know what God's word says. But what I want more than anything else is revelation. 
See, getting information is knowing what God's word says. Gaining revelation is knowing why it says it. <laughs> and if you want revelation as to who God is and what he's up to, listen, it comes when you reverence him, when you respect him, when the Bible says you fear him. So I want revelation and I need revelation. And folks, whether you want it or not, you need it. And if you're going to get it, it comes through reverencing, through respecting who God is. Psalms 31, 19 says that God has laid up good things for those who fear him. How many of you want the good things of God? See, some of you are praying for the good things of God. Some of you are wanting the good things of God, but you're not receiving the good things of God. And the same is true for me. There's times in my life that I've wanted the things of God, good things of God, needed the good things of God, prayed for the good things of God, but I couldn't receive it. But why? Because I wasn't reverencing and respecting God in my daily life. Amen. I wasn't... Standing in awe of who he is. I wasn't respecting him for who he is and what he's done. Psalm 33 and verse number 18 says that God looks upon those who fear him. Now I don't know about you, but I want God continually looking at me. Let me tell you why. Because again, he looks upon my life with the eyes of the omnipotent God of the universe. That means he is all powerful, that he is able to do all things. And when he sees what needs doing in my life, him being all powerful and him also being my loving heavenly father, he can do what's needed when he sees what needs doing. And the Bible says if I fear him, if I stand in, and if I have a sense of awe for who he is and I stand in respect and reverence of who he is and what he's done, if I fear him, then his eyes will continually be upon me. Parents, I don't know about you, but I want God's eyes upon my children. I don't know about you, but I want God's eyes upon my marriage. I don't know about you, but I want God's eyes upon my ministry. And the Bible says God puts his eyes on those who fear him. He continually watches over us. Great benefit to fearing the Lord, to standing in awe and respecting and reverencing him. The Bible says that he blesses those that fear him in Psalms 115 verse 13. Well, praise Jesus for that. Do you want God's blessing? I want God's blessing. Folks, I don't apologize for that, and you shouldn't either. I want God's best for my life. But I realize if I'm going to receive it, I've got to fear Him. I've got to respect Him. I've got to reverence Him. I need to continually stand in awe of who He is. Never lose the wonder of God. Never let these truths that we sing about and then we talk about become commonplace to you. Do you realize God, the God of heaven, put his son on a cross for you? God killed his son for you and for me. 
And he did that because he loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. Never lose the wonder of that. Never let that become commonplace to you. Always stand in awe of who God is. When you stand up, get up in the morning and you see the sun rising, listen, stand in awe of who God is because he made that happen by a spoken word. When you look up at that starry night sky and you can't even count the millions and billions of stars above you, stand in awe of who God is because the Bible says he calls them all by their names never lose the wonder of who God is because when you lose the wonder you'll forget to worship when you lose the wonder then worship will become commonplace when you lose the wonder then worship what we do in here will become something that you have to do and not something you get to do now, folks, let me say something to you. I do feel obligated to be here on Sunday morning. Can you say amen? Today's the day of worship. Amen. And, and listen, if I'm not worshiping God, I'm going to be worshiping something today, for today is the day of worship. I want to worship Him, and I, I do certainly feel obligated to be here. You say, well, brothers, that's easy. You're the pastor. We pay you to be here. Well, there's more to it than that. Listen to me, folks. Whether I was getting paid or not, I'd still be in the worship of the Lord. Let me tell you why. Because He's changed me. He's done for me what I couldn't do. He is my God. I am His Son. But listen, He has applied His love, His grace, His mercy unto me. And for that, I must worship. So I do feel an obligation to be here, but let me say something. Church, your service to the Lord while you're here, it ought to be more than an obligation. We ought to realize it's a privilege. We are able, we get to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you really want to see God do something in your life individually and in your church, let this be something that you get to do, not something you have to do. Realize the wonder of God and worship Him accordingly. Amen. We must reverence God if we're going to experience abundant life in Canaan land and the land flowing with milk and honey. But we also must resolve to serve the Lord. Isn't that what Joshua says? Watch this. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, watch this now, and serve Him. Now how are we going to serve Him? Well, he says that we serve Him Three ways. First of all, in sincerity. Isn't that what he says there? Serve him in sincerity. Then he says, and in truth. Now we ought to sincerely, we ought to get serious about our service as the children of God. Folks, let me say something to you. When you are serious about your service as children of God, you don't treat church like a hobby. Can you say amen? You know there's a difference? In seriously serving the Lord and just treating church like something you do when you ain't got nothing else better to do? See, there's a lot of people who will save um, time for shopping on Sunday so they don't have to come to church but still have a good excuse. Therefore, they'll spend doing whatever they want to do on Saturday instead of doing what they need to do so that they don't have to come to church on Sunday. That, that's not being serious about your service. That's not being sincere about serving the Lord. Amen? Let, let me say something else. 
Folks, I understand that Sabbath was made for the man, that man wasn't made for the Sabbath. How many know that's what Jesus said? He also said, if your ox is in a ditch, go ahead and get him out. There's going to be times when you can't be in service. You can't be here to worship the Lord. But you know what? You shouldn't pull your ox in a ditch to give you a good excuse. Amen. Get sincere about your service. If you want to see God move and see God bless in your life. Hey, I understand there's times that, listen, you're going to get sick, that happens. You're going to have to do things that wouldn't plan, that happens. But listen to me, folks. When you are serious about serving Jesus, when you are, listen, standing in awe of who He is, you're going to be doing everything you can to be in church for when you miss church, you're truly going to miss church. Are you getting me? So he says we are to serve the Lord in sincerity, but then he says we are to serve the Lord in truth, scripturally. Now, when I say that we serve the Lord scripturally, I mean we serve the Lord according to the truth of the Word of God, and that's what Joshua is commanding. He says we serve Him in sincerity and in truth, but let me give you one else, one thing. We serve Him steadfastly. That means we keep on keeping on. Let, let me give it to you like Paul said in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse 9. He says, let us not become weary in well-doing. Do you know what you do for the Lord? You're, it's well-doing. It's worth something. As a matter of fact, how many of you understand what's going to echo throughout all eternity is what you do for the kingdom of God? So if you are teaching the class, if you're praying the prayer, if you're singing the song, if you're doing whatever you're doing for the family of God, for, for the kingdom of God, listen to me, don't get weary in that. Don't quit. Be steadfast because it's worth it. It means something. You're changing hearts and changing lives by the power of God. You're loving people and helping people. And listen, God is concerned about people, so you keep serving steadfastly. Don't become weary in well-doing because there'll come a season when you'll reap. So be faithful. Serve sincerely. Serve scripturally according to the truth. And serve steadfastly. Don't get weary in well-doing. Keep on keeping on. It means something. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. I'm telling you, it pays every step of the way. You keep serving. Have a resolve to serve. The Bible says something here that I, I would pray that every man, every husband, every father would say sincerely and mean it and live by it and live it out in their home. And he says it in Joshua 24. And verse number 15, he says that if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we going to serve the Lord. Now listen to me. I can't say what you're going to do. I can't make your decision. I can tell you the benefits of serving the Lord as a child of God. I can tell you who God is and what He's done. 
How you ought to respect Him and reverence Him and serve Him sincerely. I can say all of that. But I can't say what you're going to do. You've got to make that decision. But realize, the decision you make has consequences. Amen? The decision I make has consequences. But let me say something to you. Especially to these husbands and fathers and spiritual leaders of your home. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to do what we can to serve Jesus. I'm going to keep loving Jesus and loving people. I'm going to keep serving Jesus and serving people. I'm going to keep doing everything I can to encounter new people and encounter Jesus. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Folks, what you do is up to you. We have to resolve to serve. Reverence God for who He is and what He's done. You know what else we got to do? If we're going to walk in the abundant life that's been promised and purchased by Jesus, we got to repent when repentance is needed. Watch how He puts it here. Look back at verse number 14. He says, and put away. Everybody say put away. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Now you've got to remember something. They've been out of Egypt at this time for 40 years. They stayed in the wilderness 40 years on their way to the promised land, so, well, more than 40 years. But at least 40 years they've been out of Egypt. But Joshua says to them, put away those old gods that were being worshipped way back in Egypt. Now, why would he say that? Because from time to time, those old gods raise their ugly head in our lives. Those old things, those old habits, those old sins that God delivered us from, they raise their ugly head in our lives. And listen, we must then repent of the old things. You say, well, wait a minute, Brother Israel. I thought that I repented when I got saved. Folks, I repented when I got saved too, but let me say this to you. I've repented a whole lot more after I got saved than when I got saved. See, the truth is, as long as we are living in a fallen creation in this flesh as imperfect human beings, as long as there is sin in this world and Satan is still alive and well and kicking and doing his work, we're going to have to struggle with sin. We'll have to struggle with those old ways. Amen? Those old thoughts. Those old temptations that feel good to the flesh. And Joshua says to these people, he says, put all that away, repent of it, turn from it, and turn to the living God. Do you know, not only does it say that for the people of God in the Old Testament, but let me give it to you what it says in the New Testament. Brother, if you will, please put for me 1 John chapter number 1. And let's just start with verse number 6. 1 John chapter 1 and the 6th verse. Put that on the screen for me.
The Bible says if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. Now, what does He mean by that? He means that if you claim to be in Christ, but as a pattern of your life, you're walking in darkness. If you claim to be in the light as He is in the light, but as a pattern of your life, you're continually walking in darkness. You can't say you're truly a child of God. Amen? Because if you've truly been born again, there's going to be a difference. As a pattern in your life. But now watch. Verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now what's he talking about? He's saying if we are truly in the light, and while we're still in this flesh, when we do sin, if we've truly been born again, the Lord is continually having to cleanse us. It's a continual process. See, the moment you got saved as a child of God, you were positionally sanctified. You were washed clean. Can you say amen? You were taken out of your sin, and, and listen to me now, put into the family of God. You were once in the darkness, now you've been translated in the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us. You were once dead in trespasses and sins, now you've been quickened and made alive to walk in the newness of life. That happened at the moment you were born again. You were positionally sanctified. And now God sees you as his son or daughter because the righteousness of Christ has been applied to your heart and life by faith. So that moment, you were positionally sanctified. But guess what? Because we are still in this flesh, in this world, listen, in this imperfect world, in this imperfect flesh, all of us need practical sanctification day by day. Where the Lord is continually cleanses us of sin that we sometimes jump into. And the truth is, we don't fall into it. We truly do jump into it. Amen? We make a choice whether to obey God or disobey the Lord. And it's a conscious choice that I make and you make daily many different times. Many different situations and scenarios, circumstances, whatever you find yourself in. Listen, you make a choice whether to obey God or disobey as a child of God. So we are continually in need of cleansing. Then the Bible says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now you've got to remember, when, when John writes this letter, he's not writing to lost people. He's writing to the church and he says, listen to me, you have to remember, you are still in the flesh, therefore you still have problems with sin. And if you say you have no sin, the truth ain't in you. You're lying to yourself, you're lying to God, you're lying to everybody else. Are you getting me? You ever met people who thought they'd never seen anymore? They'll bless your heart. No, all of us have trouble. All of us struggle with this flesh. And it is a struggle daily that we all have to deal with. But then he says in verse number 9, I love this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what John is saying? He said the same thing Joshua said. He said when those old things creep up in your life from the old man, from the old way, repent of those things. Listen, put them under the blood and move on in your walk with Jesus. 
So whatever those old things are from you, for you, your old things may be different from my old things, but all of us still have some old things. And so when they come up, child of God, repent of it and run back to Jesus. Turn from that and turn back to the Lord. If you want to experience Canaan land living, abundant life, where you're serving Jesus not because you have to, but because you get to. When you're walking in peace and you're walking in purpose, and you're walking in joy unspeakable and full of glory, and you're living the life that God has purchased for you, making a difference for the kingdom of God, if you want that life, you can have it. But it takes reverencing the Lord, standing in awe of Him, Listen, it takes all of us resolving to serve. It takes repentance when repentance is needed. We'll talk about number four tonight. Now, where are you at with Jesus this morning? First of all, let me ask you this Have you came out of bondage? See, if you're not yet born again and forgiven, you're still in your sin. You're still in Egypt. And the only way you can become free of your sin is faith in Christ. You can come out of the bondage that you are in under the blood. Can you say amen? The blood that was shed for you at the cross of Calvary. The blood that can be applied to you by grace through faith. So if you've not yet come out of Egypt, today needs to be the day that you come out under the blood. Now let me ask you, child of God, you say, brother, I know I've been saved. I know there's been a time in my life when the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart. And he, listen, I trusted in Jesus and he done a work in my heart that's made a difference on the inside and is making a difference on the outside. But I struggle. Well, guess what? We all struggle. I've done some things I know I'm not pleased with and God's not. Guess what? All of us have. Brother Israel, I've not been as sincere as I need to be. So have I. Listen. God loves you. Today. Today. Repent. Turn back to the Lord, child. So that you might experience the abundant life that has been purchased and been promised to you. Whatever you need, this is your invitation. See, I can't make a decision for you. And you can't make a decision for me. It's kind of like old Joshua. Joshua says, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. That's between you and the Lord. But I tell you this, 
I can make a decision for myself. And I want to serve the Lord. Would you make that commitment today? Now, I know that a lot of times, and even this morning, I've, I've, t- I've talked to, in, in that verse, we talked about husbands and fathers. And I just say that because husbands and fathers are the spiritual head of your household. God has given you spiritual headship. And so you need to be the one that says, you know what? As for me and my family, we're going to serve Jesus. And I'm going to be the one that leads my family to the Lord. I'm going to be the one that, listen, they follow as we all run to Jesus and serve Him. Well, that's good for husbands and fathers who have spiritual headship in their home. But you know what? That applies to each and every one of us individually. Because individually, listen, you have spiritual headship in your life. And you make the decision daily whether to serve the Lord or not serve Him. And so I'm asking you today, serve Jesus seriously. That's what He deserves. Man, there's blessing in it. This is not something that's grievous. This is glorious. There's nothing like knowing God is working on you and working in you and working through you for His honor and His glory. You want to talk about life making sense? You want to talk about life having meaning and purpose? It's found. And serving Jesus with all your heart. Everybody stand this morning.